Welcome to the Executive Central Podcast, Episode 2. I'm Phil Dobby, and Rob Barmer is with me again, Managing Director of Executive Central. Today, we look at how your body and your company might have something in common. Now, yes, they can both be complicated, and we do like to operate them both like they're a well-oiled machine, but we also need to consider how our bodies react to change, and that's the point of today's podcast. So, Rob, I mean, is it a fair comparison between the two, first of all? Well, look, I think um, in in many respects, you, you could make the analogy about organisations being just like the body. You know, you need to things like you need to exercise the body. You need to use a muscle to keep it keep it working. You need to you know uh, make sure you're putting the right nutrients into it. That all applies to organisations in, in in many different ways. But probably the the analogy that really strikes me as being uh, quite valid is is that around the organizational immune system. Right. And what I mean by that, you know, as we all know that human bodies, we have an immune system. It's incredibly important. It protects us from infection and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it struck me that um, in, in when you think about, for example, organ uh, transplants, someone gets a heart transplant, you know, mm. um, obviously that, that body, that person is incredibly ill and, re- you know, to require that. Um, and when you think about it, for about 35 years, heart transplants have been done around the world successfully. Um, but the biggest threat to that has remained the exact same over 35 years, and that is the body's own immune system mm. seeing it as a threat and rejecting it. Right. right? Yeah, so yeah. if you kind of think about it, you think, God, how does the body get that wrong? The very thing that is keeping that body alive is being rejected as a as a threat. So that's a bit like and, that's yeah. a bit like businesses being resistant to change, isn't it? So sometimes, I mean, you've got to have that heart transplant because otherwise you die. Similarly, I guess businesses have to change. You know, there might be a competitor comes along, for example. You've got you've got to do things differently, and you're going to have people within the organisation who are saying, "Well, I, I I don't like to change." They they're a little bit like fighting the immune system. I think that's what you're saying, is it? That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, you know, the, the same thing that innovation that change might be the one thing that's going to keep that organization alive into the future and yet the organizational immune system let's call it that actually sees it as a threat and fights it off um so the you know, around this topic of innovation which you know there isn't an organization we come across that doesn't have the need for innovation as one of its key values and and focus items I think a lot of the attention gets put on gets put on how do we innovate, how do we do that, and I, I don't know that that's the problem. I think there's heaps of innovation going on in organisations, whether it's big, radical, disruptive innovation or small, continuous improvement innovation. It's happening all around. I think it's the organisational immune system actually rejecting those innovations before they get the chance to survive and thrive. And I think that's where perhaps on this topic of innovation, there hasn't been enough focus. Right. But I mean, the problem for any business owner or business operator is, I mean, just as our body is complicated, businesses are complicated too. So if you make any change, it's very difficult to know, isn't it, how the body or how the business is going to react. It's impossible to know the exact effect of any decision that you make and what's going to be impacted. Um, But I think that the worst thing is to make no decision. Mm. So it's a little bit like, well, we're not sure what this innovation or this change is going to do to the system, to, to the business. Um, so let's just not worry about it. And, and can yeah. I say, probably over oversimplifying it, I think that's the biggest problem is that the, the status quo, what we're doing now, because it's known, and even though it might have some problems and barnacles on it, 
um, a lot of leaders, I think, tend to default to that it is safer to do nothing and not wear the risk of that of that innovation or that change than to actually bite the bullet and accept that that what might happen is you know, failure or problems. Yeah, but sometimes you try and fix that, don't you, with incremental change, you know, a bit of trial and error to see what works and what doesn't. But what about, I mean, a heart transplant that we talked about, I mean, that is a, that is a pretty major thing. And sometimes a business just needs to make a big change uh, to try and correct a fundamental error. And, I mean, that you can understand why people would see that as being a risk, not knowing how, uh, how what the repercussions of it are going to be. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, you know, let's use the heart, heart uh, transplant analogy. Uh, you know, a lot of us in Australia remember in 2000, uh, sorry, in, in 1984, a, a little 14-year-old girl called Fiona Coote was uh, given a heart transplant by Dr. Victor Chang. And it was, it was very, very heavily, you know, uh, publicised in the media. And a lot of people think that was the first, you know, heart transplant. That, and that's the celebrated one. The truth is it was actually the sixth heart transplant in Australia. And the first one was in 1968. <laughs> and um, that person, um, they did successfully put in a new heart, but the person didn't survive the the operation. Now, I'm not, you know, unfortunately, heart transplants are a fairly, you know, life and death thing. And if it, if it doesn't work, the, the patient dies. Um, and so you could sort of say, let's come back into the business context. Um, I'm not saying that you have to put the whole company at risk, uh, to, you know, for it to die if this doesn't work. But the alternative to not even having a go is that, your company may well die. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's plenty of those celebrated examples of organisations that were once world-leading dominant organisations in their industries that don't even exist anymore because, and I would put a lot of it down to, because of their, you know, uh, their culture of rejecting innovation. Um, you know, things like Kodak, you know, um, Kodak knew about digital photography they were probably they probably had a parts of their business that were involved in the invention of it, but they rejected it as a, nah, that'll never work, and that's too different from what we're doing now and what are Kodak doing these days. Yeah, well, they're, they're struggling to catch up. That's what they're doing. So, I mean, what you're talking about is being innovative and responding to change. But, yes. I, I mean, you're an Aussie bloke. You almost certainly don't go to the doctor. You almost, you almost certainly say, oh, no, you know, she'll be right, mate. She'll be uh, right. And uh, <laughs> it's a bit the same, isn't it, really? I mean, you, you, you know, your point about doing nothing. If you see that there's something wrong, yes. you just assume it's, it's all going to sort itself out. That's right. The default position is, uh, you know, she'll be right, as you say. Let's just give it a just give it a, give it a while and see what happens. And the the Australian male is notorious for that. And uh, and sadly, you know, that most of the time, let's say, hopefully, most of the time, that works out okay. Um, but yeah, there are there are plenty of examples where people just yeah, you know, I mean, I'm from Queensland, so yeah, that that sort of freckle on my skin, that's not. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, you know, just let's see what happens with that. And before you know it, wow, um, it's it's a nasty uh, skin cancer or something like right, that. Which is which is all pointing to the reason why. You know, in a business, you've got to look for what the problems might be and yep. uh, and try and drive change. But I mean, the other thing you're saying is, if you are trying Correct. to drive that change, uh, look out for those a- antibodies. What is it that's going to try and stop you doing what you're trying to do? Yes, and I, uh, look, I think if if we think about that, well, what are the elements of the the organisational immune system? And there are many. There are many things um, that might make up the the organisational immune system. I I tend to try and simplify things for for busy executives, and it sort of struck me that there's probably three P's we could look at. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's sort of 
priorities, there's processes, and there's people when it comes to this. And I, and I think uh, in, in each of those areas, they're things that can contribute to this rejection culture. And if we get them right, become an anti-rejection culture. Um, so, so that's probably you know, a little bit of the so what or what can we do in a simple day-to-day sense? What questions perhaps could we ask ourselves to make sure we have taken our anti-rejection drugs? Yeah, they're all pretty big things, though. I mean, you've, you've, you've in three words, you've summarised, you know, what are the core functions of a, of a business? And uh, But, you, yep. you know, you've got to change them, I guess. You've got to go through one by one and say, well, what, what could go wrong if we make this change? Well, look, I, exactly. And, and I think on the anti-rejection side of things, you know, a simple question, though, um, for example, let's, if we look at the three Ps very quickly, from a priorities point of view, um, it is how much of our time or how much time for our people are we actually allowing for innovation? And I'll, and I'll even make that more simply. How much time are we allowing them to actually think? Um, now, you know, we're all umbilically connected to these devices called, you know, smartphones and, and iPads and computers. Um, I, I would contest that we are filling people's heads up with so much stuff and a lot of that stuff is us just doing business with ourselves, mm. you know, internally as much as externally, how on earth is anyone going to ever innovate or, th- or progress an innovation when we're just, you know, filling our, our world up with stuff? Yeah, not seeing the wood for the trees. Right. Yeah. Now, I know that's, oh, that's a bit simplified, isn't it, Rob? Well, you know, there isn't an executive that I've coached in 17 years that doesn't have the issue of how on earth can I cope with all of the stuff that's coming into my life? let alone do the things that I need to be doing. And I'd be putting innovation right up there with what certainly senior executives, but really anybody needs to be thinking about is how can we do things better? So, you know, that's the priorities question. The the process question is, um, are we expecting innovations to perform the same way as business as usual projects? You know, are we judging them the same way? And I have seen so many innovations killed off in organizations because they're not delivering those immediate short-term results, you know, and, and gains. Um, they're cut off before they've had a chance to even, you know, sink some roots down into the soil and, and, and you know, begin to actually uh, grow. They're cut off because, oh, no, that's not as profitable as this and we need short-term results. So that's just a very simple example on the process side. Are we judging those things the same way we're judging established businesses? And then on the people side, my simple question is, are you expecting innovation to obey your organization chart? Because innovation doesn't care about your organization chart, right? Mm-hmm. And yet if you're expecting it to, you know, to follow those hierarchies, well, you're rejecting innovation before you've even started. Um, you know, so even just those three simple things would be things I'd hold out as if you asked, if anyone, a team leader for that matter, um, let alone a CEO, were to ask those three questions around priorities, process and people, um, each day, that's a way that an organisation can effectively have taken its anti-rejection drugs. Right, brilliant. And look, and if you don't take those drugs because you're not making any change uh, because you're saying she'll be right, uh, well, she probably won't be, is the upshot, isn't it? In fact, some, someone else will probably be right because they are the ones making the change. That's right. Absolutely. It's uh, the, you know, the, the, the world stands still for no one. So um, if you're not asking those questions, you're, you're really living in a fool's paradise um, and you, you'll get you'll get found out. 
You will. Uh, when it's too late. Great to talk, Rob. Uh, we'll catch you again soon. Thanks, Phil. Talks a lot of sense, doesn't he? That's uh, Rob Barmer. I'm Phil Dobby, and that is the Executive Central Podcast. You can find us on iTunes or at the Executive Central website or where good podcasts are found. Till next time, keep innovating. Keep innovating.